Hey there, thanks for joining me today for another episode of Lymphedema Podcast. My name is Betty. I'm a certified lymphedema therapist, passionate lymphedema advocate, wife, mother, and the voice behind Lymphedema Podcast. What began as a small passion project in 2019 to provide answers and explanations to people with the lymphatic disease lymphedema has now reached more than 75 countries. Whether you're a patient, caregiver, or medical professional, or someone interested in lymphedema, there is an episode here for you. Every week this season, there will be a new episode to help you learn more and navigate better your journey ahead. I am so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Welcome back for episode 105 of Lymphedema Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the series on grief across the spectrum that we just covered last month. Remember, you can listen anytime on the website or your favorite app. This month for May, the topics are a result of your requests. I will be talking about wound care, fashion, insurance, and today, garment selection. Jennifer Jagelski is a senior clinical education manager with MediUSA, and she will be joining me today to talk about the correct lymphedema garments, mostly how to select the correct lymphedema garment for you. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm happy uh, to have this topic with everyone today. I know it can be a little bit of a minefield, but that's why Medi has a, a big support system out there. I'm one of the five uh, clinical educators that travel. And the reason we're there, we were there for a number of reasons to support our sales team, as well as our referral sources, our clinicians and our fitters, because there is a lot to know about garment selection. And it is always our goal that a garment fit. We make good decisions for our patients and we help you guide those decisions. And we like very much to be successful with the first garment. Um, we like that patient to be um, in a garment as soon as possible after they've been optimized from decongestive therapy. Um, but it is also my number one purpose with Medi is to provide education for our clinicians because we would like you guys to be the experts on what is the right garment for that individual patient. It's not a cookie cutter situation. There are reasons you would want to use certain fabrics and certain styles over others, um, but we really want to help you learn how you can assess that patient and make a good decision for them. You said two things, two words that stick out and that I always like to focus on when you said optimize them. So usually, you know, as a CLT, I, I don't think I've thought of it as the word optimize. I like that positive twist where I'm usually ask, I usually asking the patient, you know, be so compliant with your bandaging, be so compliant with this reduction phase so that we can get you down and reduced as as best as possible, as even um, if you have an unaffected limb, as even to that unaffected limb as possible, you know, getting rid of as many textural changes on the skin as we can, any, um, you know, folds or anything like that, anything that we can really smooth down for them. You said optimize. I love that because that's truly what we're doing. We're not just optimizing their limb size, we're optimizing their outcome. So I love that. 
And then you said cookie cutter. Uh, cookie cutter is probably, it's obviously more than four letters, but it's like the equivalent of a four letter word in my vocabulary. That- I pretty much can't do anything cookie cutter. I can't follow a recipe. I don't like neighborhoods that have houses and rows that are exactly the same. Like the whole cookie cutter concept just mm-hmm. makes my brain hurt. So the fact that garments that you describe that as not cookie cutter, it just kind of fires me up because lymphedema isn't cookie cutter. None of our patients are the same. And even though they may have similarities, I have never in my time so far actually ran into someone who I was like, you know, you look, this presents just like someone else. This is exactly what happened with someone else. It's always like, oh, I've seen this before, but you also have a little bit of, you know, fibrotic tissue sprinkled in and a leaking wound over here sprinkled in it's total. Everybody is different. So none of it is cookie cutter. So I love that Medi is optimizing their patient's outcomes and just throwing away that notion of here's a sizing chart, (laughs) select the one you fit in and let's just go from there. So, sorry, that's my little extra tidbit there. I love it. Love it. Love it. Cause I agree a hundred percent. And in my travels around the country, I cover about 11 States, primarily East coast, Northeast. Um, I learn from, you know, we are all kind of creatures of habit to an extent. And if you're, if you've been doing any kind of measuring or custom ordering, it is not uncommon that your habit is to go with the same fabric, the same dosage of medicine. You just kind of stick with what worked the last time on some patients with, and challenge, and I need you to challenge yourself to learn more about it, to learn why you would want to use one fabric versus another, how you want to assess tissue consistency. And everyone, not everyone, I shouldn't generalize, but a lot of clinicians and fitters, they overthink this, they overcompensate, they think, oh, this patient will never be able to get on a 550 fabric, which is our firmest fabric at Medi, when in fact, that is also one of the easier fabrics to get on because it is less elastic. So there's things everyone needs to learn between the three fabrics. And when, when we look at a patient for a garment, I teach in my master classes to start talking about garments to that patient when they come in for that consultation in the treatment phase. Patients need to hear upfront this information about the, they go through decongestive phase, but then there's the all important maintenance phase. And I believe a lot of times that we just need to spend that extra couple of minutes with patients to teach them what maintenance means. What's that garment doing on their body? It's not just a stocking or an arm sleeve. It's medical compression. And I I use the word medicine a lot because that does resonate with patients. They do kind of think of it a little differently, I think. And I use the word dosage of medicine, which refers to the compression class in the garment. But, you know, in my travels, which I love to do, getting out in the, in the clinics and meeting with um, therapists and teaching about these things and teaching about proper landmark measurements, um, it's actually a pretty easy process to measure and fit a custom garment if you have the education and the training from us, which we love, you know, that is what we love to do. Um, when we talk with patients early on, I do encourage 
all of our clinicians to make sure that you have that two minute conversation and explain to that patient what maintenance is. If there are, there are always financial hardship situations that I hear about all the time. Patients can't afford garments or get garments through insurance. And, and that is true all over the country. There are very few places I hear that there are good coverages or reimbursement for garments, which is another reason you want to have this conversation very early on. Yeah. When a patient is ready for maintenance, then it's not like such a shock to them that they have to invest in a, a maintenance garment. Well, I'm ready to jump in. I mean, you've already talked, you kind of hit our highlights. This is all the, all the stuff we're going to talk about today. Let's go ahead and talk about fabrics. So you mentioned the 550, um, you mentioned the difference, you know, upper or lower extremity, what fabrics are available for Medi for upper extremity lymphedema? So for upper extremity lymphedema, we have a fabric called the Mondi 350 and a second fabric is the Medivent 550. So there are differences between them, obviously. And really, if you think in terms of the stage of disease, which is how we like to begin that, that analysis, is what patient, what fabric does the patient need is going to be very specific to the stage of disease. So early onset lymphedema, stage one, uh, maybe slightly stepping in, into stage two, that patient would be a good candidate for the Mondi 350. Once they have significant edema or obstinate edema in stage two, stage three, then they would be best served by a stronger fabric. And when I use the word stronger, I don't want to scare anybody. Stronger just means it has more containment in the, in the tissue, in the wall. So it will provide a better wall structure on that tissue because we do not want to um, allow any edema to fill back into that extremity. And obviously after all the hard work, the patient and the clinician have gone through for decongestive therapy. So if upper in, uh, for upper extremity, it's really easy. It's either Mondi 350 or Medivent 550 in terms of fabric selection. And are those custom garments or are those off the shelf garments? So great question, because we are actually one of the few companies that has a Mondi Esprit ready to wear flat knit option. It is in our lymphedema concepts catalog. So it's a limited sizing chart, a uh, specific sizing chart. It is also a, com a compression class two. Um, so you want it's limited that way as well but there is a ready to wear flat knit option, arm sleeve that comes in two lengths and a glove with open uh, tips. So in so you have that option, again, that was always gonna be optimal versus the circular net product, um, in addition to going custom with Mondi or 550. But those are the only two fabrics we, we use for flat knit for upper extremity. That's great to know that it's available in both. So let's go ahead and cover fabrics for lower extremity. What fabrics are available from Medi for lower extremity? So a couple of years ago, we introduced a new fabric called Cozy. Um, so Cozy, and we, we added the numbers to it. So we have Mondi 350, Cozy 450, Medivent 550. So, you know, some uh, clinician I met in my travels in one of my classes, she kind of, she, she was sh sharing in the class with her uh, associates that the, she remembers it like, like 
BMWs. She goes, there's a 350, a 450, and a 550. And everyone got a little chuckle out of that, but they also went, oh yeah, that's a great way to, re- to think about it. So we have the three different kinds of fabrics for lower extremity, and we're happy to be introducing the cozy fabric, which is, as you can um, guess, a little stronger wall material than the Mondi, um, but not as strong as the Medivent 550. But one of the other uh, specific qualities of the cozy fabric is it was designed with a greater longitudinal stretch. So it gives more when when you're donning that fabric. So just a point of information, it is only available for lower extremity. So you have three options for lower, but in the two for upper. Um, but you have a nice, you know, a nice option there. And before we had Cozy, we had just the Mondi 350 and the 550. So we were seeing a trend where clinicians and fitters were thinking, well, my patient doesn't need the 550. They're not stage three. But so they were electing the Mondi 350, but they were maybe not being contained as well. So the Cozy solved that problem. It falls right in the middle. And it's really been what we have seen is a lot of patients that were previously wearing Mondi 350 are now into Cozy 450. Um, So we've seen that that change there. And I, you know, I I also want to say, that it's very, very important, as I mentioned already, don't overthink this decision. Contact us if you're not sure what to do. If you wanna discuss a patient with us, we'd be really, really happy to help because I I work in our area in custom garments where if there is a remake situation where a garment is not working for a patient, I am involved in it as my other associate clinical educators. We kind of look at what was the decision here. And oftentimes we're seeing that a patient was put into a Mondi 350 when they needed to be in a stronger fabric based on their disease state and their tissue state. So when I speak to clinicians about that, I'm like, tell me your thought process. How did you determine you selected Mondi? And there's always a little hesitancy because they think, well, they want to make sure that patient can get the garment on where what we've done is compromise the compression, the, you know, in the integrity of what we're trying to accomplish with compression for maintenance. So don't, don't think that, you know, that patient won't get those garments on. They will get them on and we really want them. We really want to help guide your decision. So we're in the right material. Lymphedema Podcast is made possible by the support of Eros Medical, Bryland's Feet Foundation, Dr. Jenna Wishnu at Lamb Vascular and Associates, Juzo Compression, and MediUSA. For more information and to browse previous episodes, visit the Lymphedema Podcast website. So in addition to fabric, compression is going to be one of the next things to consider. And you said earlier that you consider it as a medicine dosing. So you need this much medicine for this much illness. Um, how do you go about discussing compression dosing for lymphedema at various stages? So absolutely. I, we again, come back to what is the stage of disease and what is the tissue consistency of that patient? 
Now, of course, we take other things into consideration, lifestyle, um, you know, is that patient going to need help to get a garment on? Are they motivated to wear a garment? There's all other kinds of life, life discussions that we have with that patient. But in terms of dosage of medicine in the garment, um, we know that certain levels of disease, certain stages of disease require a certain amount of medicine in order to be therapeutic on that tissue. So if we compensate, if you compensate and you go too low, that's not going to get the job done. And we get, you know, we get communication from people that it's not containing them. And I will ask, what was the compression class that you ordered in your garment? So if you are, if you ordered a class two and that patient is not being contained, well, then, you know, you needed to go to a higher class of a, a more higher dosage of medicine. So typically for stage three lymphedema, they should always be in a class three compression, you know, a 34 to 46 compression. Therapeutically, it is doc well documented that that is the dosage of compression needed in order to maintain that limb. And remember, this is maintenance. Um, so in other cases, stage two, they may be well-managed with a class two compression, but sometimes you don't know that until you, until you're, you try, but in the right fabric with the right doses of dosage of medicine, you know, we're looking at containment and compliance, um, and to help maintain that limb function. And so those it's very critical, very, um, critical decisions. So again, I emphasize not to, you know, I have a, something on my desk right now that is a remake situation and they, a fitter selected the strongest fabric, the 550 fabric, but they elected a class one compression. So it's kind of a, a big conflict because what are we accomplishing with a class one compression? We're not really getting the maintenance level that we need in that garment. So um, again, we love to have these uh, consult, consult with you if you need to, but very important to stick to therapeutic levels of compression based on disease stage. So I want to throw in a plot twist here about pediatrics. Hmm. So uh, in my work with Bryland's Feet Foundation and, and Camp Watch Me, but I would say mostly in Bryland's Feet Foundation because we do um, consultations. Uh, with families all over the world who mm -hmm. don't have access to a therapist. And we recommend for any child who's under 10, um, to be in more of a class one. So I will say this newborn. So six months to two or three years, we definitely always just recommend a class one compression garment no matter if that's upper or lower extremity. So I wonder what your thought is on that, because then as they get older and they can tolerate, you know, they can adjust the garment more and they're actually a lot more mobile. Then we may bump them up to a class two, but it's not until they're 10, 12, 14, that we really give them that adult, you know, general dosing of compression. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that and how maybe Medi would, respond to a pediatric garment for dosing. I agree with everything you just said, 100% for children, and especially where they can't really verbalize 
you know, to the, to the mom or the dad or to the clinician, how it feels on their body. So I agree hundred percent. I've seen and uh, measured uh, two young children in the last two weeks, actually. So we also have um, a nighttime compression garment that can be customized for children as well. But yes, class one compression until they're, as you said, you know, 10 years of age or a little older, you know, not to mention there are, are growth spurts happening, you know, at, at, you know, that age group as well. Um, so I feel, um, again, class one compression gets them sort of used to wearing something with compression in it without being it, without being too much. And especially where they can't verbalize how, um, it's feeling or not feeling. Okay. Good to know. I always want to get a little feedback and see if, if everything is kind of blending in and, and other reps and things like that would be saying the same thing. So I, I appreciate that. The third point we talked about, um, we kind of discussed earlier when selecting your garment is your skin's texture and your tissues. Mm -hmm. So how do you incorporate or assess, um, the textural changes and how does that influence the garment that is selected? So I think some, some of the more difficult, challenging patients that we work with are our flebo lymphedema patients, because we're working with a patient population that is uh, off, most often morbid obesity is, comes into play. Uh, lots of challenging shapes and, and folds in the skin. And, you know, this is where I think we are um, very careful about recommending always flatten it because we want the flattened material to stay on top of that tissue and not migrate into any of those folds um, or crease areas. And again, always making sure that they're decongested before they're measured. Um, so I think, you know, we looked at in terms of donning, which is always a concern. Can some of our larger patients manage to get a garment on the number one, uh, style of garment that is most frequently replaced is a one piece pantyhose style garment on large patients. So I teach all the time, do not order a panty waist type garment on a, on a large patient. They are not going to be compliant with it for a very good reason. It's just going to be too much of a struggle for them to get on. Yeah. So we like to teach about style selection of garments and also, you know, depending on the um, size of the patient and their mobility, that if they need compression all the way up on their torso area, that we have much more success with patients with bike shorts and thigh highs um, combinations, uh, capris and knee high combinations for some of our larger patients. I'm not an, uh, I don't love zippers in garments, but there's Me a purpose either. for them. There's an, I know I'm with you hundred percent, but there is a purpose for them in the body of garments from, you know, the inguinal crease to the top of the waistband to really help that patient navigate themselves into it. Um, and they're much more successful with that. So, you know, one of the other things I want to mention about tissue is if you, See if the tissue of your patient and especially lower extremity is soft and fleshy, the 550 garment, even though they may not be a stage three patient, the 550 garment 
will really go on that patient's tissue very easily and will not kind of do any uh, creasing or wrinkling on that soft um, tissue, with that, especially with skin folds. So do not hesitate to think the 550 garment because it just has more wall structure and it will sit up on that tissue without migrating into that, those soft, squishy areas. Um, so good. that is, you know, that is uh, one thing that we want to do more education about because when people see, oh, they're very soft and squishy, they don't need the highest containment. Well, that may be true because they've been uh, decongested so well, but if their tissue is very, very um, pillowy, the 550 is really going to sit up on that tissue and, and stay in a much smoother place and not find those little nooks and crannies. When you mentioned zippers a second ago, it made me think about other add-ons to garments. Could you talk about some of those? Um, and by that, I mean placement of silicone. So you can add silicone dots, right? At various places on the garment mm -hmm. and um, like a silk patch or a, um, I'm, I'm not sure what it's called in this um, on the Medi side, like the T or the Y heel. Do you guys have the T or is like V Y yeah. or something? Yes, absolutely. So one thing I want to say about options is less is more. We like to teach options or to solve problems. And you don't know that your patient needs any of these things when it's their first garment, unless it's something fairly obvious. Um, but we, we like to think of options that are very user-friendly. We have one, the knitting marks that you're speaking to. We have a Y knitting mark at the foot crease and an E knitting mark at the knee. They have been maybe a little overused. Um, therefore, really the E knitting mark at the knee, it's, it's barely visible in the stocking, but it's to help minimize creasing behind the knee if your patient is more sedentary. Mm -hmm. The Y knitting mark on the foot is really if you have a very edematous foot and maybe a, a tissue shelf on the dorsum of the foot. So it, again, it will just help create a better um, fit around the heel area and minimize creasing. So not everyone needs those things. Probably another option that it may be new to some people listening is we have something called a flexure function zone. This is for knees and elbows. This is uh, a no charge option. This is for an active patient and it can be, um, it can be ordered in the cozy 450 and the Medivin 550. So this is just a change in the knitting around the joint area that just um, provides a little bit more flexibility of the joint um, without compromising any of the gradient compression. So that's a nice feature. If you have someone that is very active and maybe they're going to be in a 550 fabric and they're moving around a lot, it's just for comfort. Um, but we've, it's been very, very popular. When we talk about silk linings or um, anti-slip silicone dots, these again would be indicated to solve a problem in a garment. Um, I'm very, very, very conservative on the silk linings. And I was in a clinic last week and there was a patient that was getting a silk lining and I asked the clinician and the patient why, she, why they thought it was needed. 
Silk is a fabulous material, but it does not breathe. And if you, silk can hold moisture on your skin and to add a silk lining into a flattened garment, it is actually sewn in on all four sides. So when we add more seams into the, into the stocking, that also can cause it, it restricts the stretch of it a little bit because now we've added another whole set of seams on it. So we wanna be careful where we're, where we're asking for silk lining and make sure it's definitely needed. Um, it can be done in patches behind the knee, in the elbow. It can actually be done in the Y crease on the foot. Um, when I've seen it used, you know, what, what I would say the correct way, over radiated skin, over irritated skin, um, melanoma sites, surgical sites where you want less of a shearing effect on the tissue. Um, but just remember it's sewn in permanently and it does not breathe on, this, on the tissue. The anti-slip dots are a seamlessly applied um, set of silicone dots that is a, an amazing technology. I love that it's seamless, so it's not adding any extra stitches into the garment. And it can be sewn in um, along the oblique border of a knee high, a thigh high. Uh, we can add it under the waistband of a pantyhose if you have a, a challenging uh, shaped uh, torso on a patient. We can add it, one of my favorite places to add it is if you have a patient and they really want to wear a thigh high stocking and who doesn't, you know, they don't want anything way up on their um, abdomen area. So they're not interested in a pantyhose style garment, but they have kind of a challenging shaped leg. They may be a very broad circumference above the knee, and then they may narrow down very quickly. So it's, you know, gravity is not our friend. I say this all the time Never. So with the perfect fitting stocking. It, with movement, it may, it may migrate down or shift down. And thigh highs are probably the most challenging garment style for lymphedema patients to wear successfully, depending on the shape of their leg. But we can add, seamlessly add, a what we call a fixed size. So, so many centimeters wide, so many centimeters long. And the position would be above the top edge of the patella across, horizontally across the top of the knee. So on a thigh high stocking, they would obviously have a silicone top band that would be holding it up. And we, when we add this extra, um, extra section of anti-slip dots horizontally above the knee, that stabilizes it on the tissue. So that's been a, a huge game changer uh, to be able to do that. We can also add them across the back and also on the sole of the foot. We're not advocating anyone walk around with their flattened stocking without shoes on, of course, um, but uh, that's also an option. I recently worked with a patient who had a lymph node transplant done behind in the popliteal space. So the surgeon did not want she, the surgeon wanted the patient in a knee high compression 550 class three garment, but he did not want a top band on it. He did, he did not want too much compression right below the surgical site. So was my concern that the stocking would stay up without some means of, of holding it there. And we were successful using the anti-slip dots just below the top 
uh, finished edge of that stocking. Um, and it worked perfectly. So okay. I love the technology. I love that it's seamless. So that's another, again, solving a problem with it, um, using it to solve a problem. So the dots on the dorsum of the foot, wait, bottom of the foot? On the sole of the foot. <laughs> the sole of the foot. Um, with the dots on the sole of the foot, I have recommended that a couple times for children who are in that beginning stages of uh, maybe pulling up to stand or even just weight bearing. Um, they're kind of starting to weight bear through their legs. Um, so I don't ever recommend that for any of my adults. Uh, they don't need, you know, yeah. anti-slip socks that just tell them to wear house shoes or something that's going to give them more structure. Mm -hmm. um, but the best time for that is really for when it's a kid who is learning that mobility or they, they need that extra stability so they can get that confidence to walk, get that confidence to stand and not feel like they're going to be slipping and sliding in their garments. So I think those are all great options. And one of the silk lining things you had mentioned, I also am pretty, uh, minimalist when it comes to garments, you know, there's a few little tips or tricks we might be able to do on your measurements, but mm -hmm. aside from a good silicone band to keep it from slipping, I don't add too much. I have found with some of my pediatrics who have, who are just, you know, they're chubby little babies. They're one year old or younger, and they just have some rolly ankles. Mm -hmm. Um, we have put the silk lining at that Y, mm -hmm. um, along the foot. So it helps to decrease that friction, um, mm -hmm. and keeps it from rubbing. And mm -hmm. so that's one of the places I have found that the silk works well, like you said, also over a surgical site or something that you're trying to protect. Um, but yeah, you just have to be careful that you have to know what kind of fabric you're putting on something because it does change the nature of the garment a little bit. And it doesn't breathe like the rest of the garment will. Those are two great examples of when to use silk and the anti-slip dots on children. That's an excellent point. Thanks. All right, Jennifer, we have covered all of our points. Do you have any extra takeaways? And honestly, we've covered more than our uh, main three points. You've been so helpful in helping me understand the whole process of picking um, the right garment for you, the different styles and fabrics that are available. Do you have anything else you would like to leave us with before we close out for today? Well, I would just like to, again, thank you, um, but mention to our, your listeners that it's about accurate measurements and measuring with our, our tension um, directions for tension, when to use tension, when not to use tension, and then making these other decisions for fabric selection, dosage of compression, um, and all of the other things that you may uh, want to consider to have that perfect garment for that patient. Um, that is our goal as well. And we are happy, to, as I mentioned, to consult with you, uh, consult with the patient. I probably FaceTime with uh, clinicians measuring patients several times a week. So do not hesitate to reach out to us and um, ask for help or ask for another set of eyes on a problem. And uh, that's what, we, what we're here for. So um, it was great. I was happy to join you today. Mother Teresa says, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning about selecting the correct lymphedema garment, 
our conversation on product selection. Remember, if there is a topic you're looking for, the website has a full library of podcasts. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode. 